the only way an underdog makes that transition to the upset is in the mind and the hearts of the favorite team. So the favorite team has to take the field pissed off with an edge, not happy, because their coach in every way has jostled them, punched at them, gnawed at them, and told them, if you have plans about a championship, if you have plans about being in a playoff, those plans go right through this opponent this Saturday. And you can take all your dreams and your wants and your big talk and the Thanksgiving holiday and stuff it in your ear. If you want victory, you better respect your opponent to one, prepare like it was a championship game, and two, to take that out to the field and wear him out. It's just that simple. That's how you approach an underdog. I'm Les Miles, and this is Less Is More. It's Thanksgiving week, and so I think we have to touch on some football things that we're thankful for. Dad, you can lead it off, but... I have some things I'm thankful for, too. How about you, Wangs? I bet you have some things to be thankful for. I just want you to know, for me, I uh, I love fourth down. I think fourth down is where a lot of teams cut the mustard or not. That they figure that they're going to win or they punt it away when they know they shouldn't. And so, for me, I found a, a curriculum that uh, I enjoyed looking at fourth down. I could, uh, I could go forward on fourth down in a right position, in the right, the right hash, in the right spot in the field. Fourth down, for me, was just another down where the offense could execute and an occasional trick play, an occasional... Um, off tackle and an occasional uh, play action. I like fourth down. That's that's something that I'm very thankful for. What about you, John? You know, I like first down. And Les is talking about first down. I like first down because on first down, you can run, you can pass, you can keep them off balance. Um, that kind of dictates how the series is going to go. So I like to be the flexibility of first down, and the defense uh, it has got to kind of play on us because they don't know what you're going to do. And, and I enjoy that, uh, you know, having that those options. You know, this week I particularly enjoy the Michigan-Ohio State uh, week. It's the greatest week in college football for, uh, you know, someone from those two schools, and uh, it's something you look forward to all year. And there's nothing better Uh been to be a part of the, the greatest rivalry in sports, and uh, I really look forward to that. And the third thing that I really look forward to is the turnover chain. I think it's been a, uh, a, a breath of fresh air for college football, and uh, I, I've enjoyed the enthusiasm 
down there at the U that they've shown uh, when they get a turnover. And it's interesting, they cheer louder for a turnover than for a touchdown. So uh, I've had some fun with that this year. I'm so disappointed in both of you. Severely, severely disappointed in those answers. Because the fact that y'all couldn't come up with being thankful for victory formation... When your team oh, is in victory formation smack and so all right. there is left in the day is going home and eating mom's Thanksgiving dinner after the Thanksgiving dinner that was had with the team and winning and beating A&M, what, five times in a row on Thanksgiving weekends? And, oh, my gosh, there's just nothing more beautiful than victory formation. It's just – it's an art. It's a mood. It's a celebration. And it means it's time to go home and celebrate some more with the fam. So I'm thankful for that and all the years that we spent Thanksgiving with our team that was like our family and getting to have multiple Thanksgiving meals because of that. So I'm excited and thankful this year to be with Cowboys and the Cowboys have a Thanksgiving Day game. So lots to be thankful for football-wise, but I don't know why we need the thrill of first downs or fourth downs. I'm about winning it. (laughs) You just want to go line up in victory formation. John and I, we want to play and have the key plays where you just want to say, hey, listen, guys, let's line up. Hey, we won this one. The hard work is over. Oh, but come on. There's let's get so to the pumpkin to pie. For when hard work is vindicated, Dad. Did you hear John? He said, hey, <laughs> hey let's get to the pumpkin pie. <laughs> hey, with a, hey, with a smash of uh, whipped cream and vanilla ice cream. That's correct. <laughs> Just like the old Hope Miles would say. So, uh, this is a this is a family secret, but we actually critique my mom's Thanksgiving meal. It's a great time at the Miles household. <laughs> well, I know she gets an A plus because I know Kathy Miles <laughs> cook. Yeah, she can cook. <laughs> Coach, this week we got a few questions from Twitter. Uh, the first one being, "Hey, Coach, what's your Thanksgiving specialty? Can you cook?" And that question was asked by. Amor Nora. <laughs> My Thanksgiving specialty is that there's there's really two types of people. There's the preparer of the food, that person that knows the exact right spice and how long to cook it. That's not my specialty. My specialty is I'm the eater. I'm the guy who waits until it's all prepared, comes together, we hold hands, we say a prayer, and then I carve the turkey, I pass it around, I take lasts, but I am responsible for the eating end of the uh, Thanksgiving Day meal. Hey coach, who is your favorite non-football athlete and why? Go Tigers. That question was asked by Harrison GG13. My non-football athlete and why? I'm going to go back a ways. I'm going to go to Carl Malone, the mailman. We were recruiting his son, and uh, I was really, you know, really in awe of him. He's bigger than he than he looks on TV. He's you know he fills the doorway. He's big, handsome man, big, strong guy, and uh, um, <laughs> he comes in. He's wearing a Timberline pair of Timberline boots, a uh, 
what must have been Timberline jacket and a in a in a in a skull cap, and uh, I said, you know, make yourself at home. I says, and I said, there's a there's a basketball court out back. He said, all right. He says, is there anybody back there playing? I said, I said yes, my son Manny, the eldest boy, he's been back there a while. So you know how you can get really good at horse in your on your court because you know the light, you know you know all the specifics of, you know, the home court advantage. And uh, Manny's wearing his sweats and tennis shoes, and he can really, you know, he's warmed up. And I'm sitting there going, oh, no, this isn't going to happen. I am not letting Carl Malone come in to a horse game in my house, lose to my son who's warmed up, prepared, ready to go, and he's wearing Timberline boots, a hunting jacket and a damn, I mean, he didn't, he didn't as much as, as he took one shot and it went kabang. It went off the backboard. It hit the, hit the iron. The iron went, you know, I mean, it made a hell of a noise. And he says, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm going, oh no. So I'm watching and um, Carl goes, well, you go first. And I said, oh, shoot. I said, if Carl went first, Carl gets the chance to, you know, put a special doozy shot on him, you know, something that Manny can't do. But he said, Manny, you go first. So Manny sinks one from, I don't know, out there. Carl comes over, takes that big hand, grips that ball, right nothing but net. And I'm going, well, that's, (laughs) that's good news. They went seven straight shots. Manny, who's on, hits seven straight. Carl Malone hits seven straight. Manny misses. Carl Malone hits. And (laughs) Carl started picking at Manny, like grabbing, like at his shirt and stuff and, you know, just kind of yanking on him a little bit. And... um, Manny, <laughs> Manny got a little, um, not, you know, mad or anything, but just a little left of center, just, you know, couldn't quite, you know, understand how this had gone so badly so quickly. And so he started missing some shots and hey, Carl didn't miss a thing. And right, you know, right up, right away, he takes, he takes charge of the game and wins the horse game. So for me, my favorite non-football athlete is Carl Malone for a whole lot more than him being a, uh, a tremendous basketball player. It's more of him being a tremendous man, father, husband. Uh, he's, he's something special. Next question. Hey, Coach, how do you know which team needs to be chewed out and which needs to, team needs to be built up after a loss? I'm not sure all respond the same way to each. That question was by B. Murphy, 47. I think I've been fortunate to not have to chew much at all. I've, I've not seen a team that I got the good fortune to coach where I did not have a feel for how they were going to play, that they were going to play as hard as they could play start to finish, that I was not going to have to coach effort or hustle or contact or toughness. 
that that had already been coached. And the only thing that we have to fix is assignment, technique, execution. If you got that team in a position where you know they're going to give you great effort, you know they're going to be tough and tackle, and that all they have to fix is you know execution and technique and assignment, then that's the coaching. You better get that done. You're the coach. You know what they need to do. Coach it again. That team that's not giving you effort, that team that's not tackling, that team that's not tough, you're going to chew, and you're going to chew hard. It's going to happen early, and generally you'd like to get that out of the way before you got the games because if you're still worried about how your team's going to play tough, then you're, you don't got a very good team and you don't have a great relationship with that team. But I seldom had to chew. I really had to realize that when you fight as hard as we fight, when we take the field, then when we come off having finished second, it hurts. And you don't need a coach that's standing in the front of the room spitting at his team and throwing salt in wounds. What you need is the understanding that we're going to be better. This isn't any fun. Finishing stinking second isn't any fun for anybody in the room, and you don't hurt any more or any less than the rest of us. But we'll, uh, you keep playing like that, we're going to win a lot of games. The uh, Lorraine Steelers were playing the uh, Lyria High Buckeye ninth grade team, and Les Miles is... 12, maybe 11. And uh, I'm in the 8th grade playing up on the ninth grade team. We were enjoying a great competitive go, and uh, Les Miles ran underneath the kickoff. As a youngster, I didn't really know exactly what all was going to take place in the back end of this play. I come down, and I went into the gap and made a really a great hit on their ball carrier. And, but I did it with the crown of my head. I had not learned the ability to hit with my hairline as opposed to hit with the crown of my head. I struck, he went down, and uh, I uh, immediately went numb throughout my body without the ability to move my hands or my feet or my head. I wanted to scream, help because I could not feel anything. It was n unlike anything I'd ever felt before. I was, I, I was, I was, I was scared, and I, I prayed to God right there. People were unpiling, and I was just kind, kind of just being moved by the bodies that were underneath me or on top of me as they, as they cleared the pile. And then... I started to be able to breathe, and then I started to be able to feel my limbs, and I kind of got up and ran off the field as best I could. I felt like I was okay. You know, I, I didn't show any reason to be injured. 
And I didn't know, should I even tell a trainer? And I never told a soul, including my dad. I just, it was just a part of football, I thought. I, uh, I was fortunate. I was very fortunate to get up back off the ground and get to the sideline and then have the, the view of what that was, was temporary. I can't imagine young men that have that experience, and it's not temporary. If, if you look at the, the pro ranks and the college ranks and even well-coached high school ranks, there's a strong view of how to protect yourself. There's the right technique and the improper technique. The conversation revolves around how to protect the guy you're playing against, how to protect yourself, and how that block should take place at a hip. You cannot hit above the shoulders. You do not need to strike a defenseless player who you have defeated by the, the specific position that you have on the field. In other words, a position block would suffice. So I think, I think football, certainly from the NFL down, is much more aware of that, that perspective. Both of my sons played youth football here in Louisiana. Both of my sons were coached by very, very progressive youth football programs. The first thing that happened when they um, asked to play youth football, I was in my probably my third month at uh, LSU, and my wife said, your sons want to play youth football. Manny, the eldest, said, Dad, my friends are playing. I'm better than my friends. I want to play. Ben just was going along with Manny. Ben was six, and Manny was eight. I said, absolutely not. They're too young. I want you to know about two weeks into this, they were so pushing their mom that no wasn't an answer anymore. And, and it's exactly kind of what I wanted to have happen. I wanted them to know that this was a real decision, that this, there's real contact on the end of these blows, and that you have to realize that there is risk. And Manny just signed off immediately. And he played an eight and under team. Ben at six got mop-up duty in the eight and under team. Ben was a little less ready and probably a little more vulnerable than Manny was. Manny had good perspective on football, understood the game more than, than an eight-year-old had any reason to. Both played. I'm glad both of them played. They were taught extremely well. I went and reviewed technique when they came home. I wanted to talk about tackling. I wanted to talk about blocking. I wanted to talk about how to hit and how to view contact. Um, again, we had a great experience. Both my sons had great high school careers. Both my sons are, are playing college football today. The game is worth the risk of, of injury, but you can eliminate the percentages on catastrophic injury by knowing how to play and it's 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 tremendously important i uh, i'm glad that my sons played i think it made them the men they are today have enthusiasm and hustle and to put others first because i think it, this game does that
there weren't too many big big games this weekend, and there were actually a lot of blowouts. But Miami was of note. They played close with Virginia for most of the game. I wasn't surprised when they rattled off 30 unanswered points in the second half. But did you guys have any big takeaways from that game? Yeah, I, I get the same. I get the same feeling you did. I think they uh, they 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 made their big play um, a couple weeks ago and uh, against uh, Notre Dame, and um, it, it'll be interesting to see if they can muster the same kind of effort and energy that they did against Notre Dame in what will be the conference championship when they play Clemson. And in then if they win, if they go on with that same style of motivation, I, uh, um, I, it's, it, is, it is entertaining to watch that Miami team. I think Mark Rick has done a great job. Yeah, I just think, and I've said this all, all year, I think there's something about this team. It's, whether it's a team of destiny, whether it's, you know, it's, they got that it factor this year. I think they're going to get in there, and you know Clemson's going to have to come off a, a tough week versus what South Carolina. They could go either way, and uh, I just think that these guys uh, are are going to get to the Final Four, and that they're going to be a factor in this national championship race. I just believe they got the emotion, whatever that it is. That it's one of those teams that, that has it, and uh, they're riding it, and they're going to ride it for a while. Okay, Baker Mayfield is officially through his third public apology this season, so his average is pretty up there, guys. <laughs> but he essentially grabbed himself after he threw a touchdown, and then before the game he wouldn't shake hands at the coin toss with the other captains. But in, in his defense, they wouldn't shake his hand. He actually tried to shake their hands. And then he also turned around to their student section and said, Stick to, you, you guys only have one win, stick to basketball, which, hey, he has a point there. So I kind of found some entertainment. What did you guys think? Wangs, you better go. Well, you know, Baker's been my boy all year long, so I have to <laughs> – I can't, I can't defend his actions. I think it was, you know, mm-hmm. obviously he is, uh, you know, he, this is his third one. Come on, man. You're a Heisman Trophy candidate. You're one of the top players in college football. You know, act with some class and dignity. I mean, it, it makes no sense. You're, you're, you're above that. You're better than that, Baker. Stop. Do we need to get you a PR firm to clean you up? I mean, yeah, your emotion is one thing, and, and you feed off it. Your teammates feed off it. But act like a gentleman and a teammate. Okay, win with some class. Uh, yeah, it was it was totally uncalled for, and uh you know the fact that he had to apologize again nationally uh, says something that he's got he's got to reel it in and and just act like a gentleman and act like a a, a captain and a teammate and and stop with the childish uh, you know events. The uh, it's an inter- interesting perspective. The uh, you know you have the tendency to excuse those great players that walk up to that line and don't cross it but stand as close to that line as they can and are um, not necessarily respectful to the game, not necessarily respectful to the opponent, not exactly how you'd like them to do it, but they stand so close to the line it doesn't allow you to punish them 
But Baker Mayfield steps across that line with anything that he wants to at any point in time. And I want you to know, the way he grabbed himself, smack, it looked like to me that he had a groin injury. It wasn't like he just grabbed his helmet or he just grabbed his shoulders or he just grabbed his behind <laughs> in that area. It, to me, looked like he may well have a groin, a pulled groin injury, and that's very serious. So I would think that Lincoln Riley is trying to reel him in with a non-start, and I'm like you, John. I don't want Johnny Manziel. I don't want. I, I like Johnny Manziel. I thought he was a great player. I do not want the story, how it finished, in college and then in the NFL. I would like Baker Mayfield to get a g- grasp of what it means to be um, respectful to your opponent. What it means to be a a a a part of a team that you don't write checks that your team has to cash. In other words, this guy is so off the charts that everybody that they play rush the passer harder, play defense, hit the quarterback, hit the the back, block better. That in fact, there's a greater. Um, uh, want to defeat Oklahoma because of the antics of Baker Mayfield. Hey, you just know that his mouth is going to run, and you just know it's going to involve you. Why? Because you play him. And w- at what point in time is he going to get, when he they, they get into the playoffs, is he going to, um, there's going to be a, a an officiating meeting where the head of officials say, we are not going to put up with that, and that's taunting. And it's taunting before the game, it's taunting during the game, and it's a penalized position. So I think you'll find mm-hmm. that, uh, that things better change, and I think that uh, I think Lincoln Riley makes a great point not to start him, and hopefully he'll get the, he'll get the hint. I agree with you entirely, but it's been really interesting to me to see the way the media has covered it because so many people are acting like he's going to be out of the Heisman race for this. And I totally understand and I agree with everything you guys just said about all the reasons he's wrong and all the reasons it's inappropriate. But the Heisman is not a community service award and it's also not a sportsmanship award. So I'm just having a hard time with hearing so many people talk about how it's going to take him out of the Heisman Yes, his coach benching him and losing that half of play and losing those stats that he would have had in that half will take him out of the Heisman, but that's his coach taking him out of the Heisman. In my opinion, as far as his own personal behavior, it should be what's on the field has always determined the Heisman. We all love the Tebow style of Heisman, and it's a lot easier to have have your children looking up to the Tebow style, and I understand that it's not necessarily great for sports when the icon is not a good guy. But that being said, I would love to read the Heisman description to all the media people who are acting like he should be out of it. He should be out of your children's idol role, but he shouldn't be out of awards that are meant to be awarded from play on the field and strictly play on the field. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing, too, John, because this Heisman is going to be um, put together and bundled up and put, to, put away before they get to the playoffs. 
Yeah. I mean, oh, th- yeah. I mean, this this will happen before they get to the bowl games. This will happen way early, and so mm-hmm. this thing may hurt him. But if you put him in a, if the Heisman was given after football was done, like it should be, this is it's 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 a shame that the Heisman, the greatest trophy, individualized trophy in college football, is given. Not even after the season's over, the, all the the important games, the championship games, are being played, and it's not, it's it's the Heisman's not in play. It's already been given, so I think that's I yep. think I think both things. I think one, the, I think you're right, Smack, but I think that that's another reason why, you know, a guy like uh, Mayfield. May get his stuff together. He says, "Hey, listen, you know, the, I I take for I I take the um, the uh, advice of my coach. I take um, the criticism of what I'm seeing in the paper. And you know what? I can change, and I will change. I'm still going to be a fiery competitor, and it's gonna I'm still going to wear my heart on my sleeve. But I am not going to react with a a um, disrespect to an opponent. Just that simple." And just like he is right now, if he had a playoff run that he could defend himself in, you know, a, a number of games, it would it would have no effect. But right now, you know, at at the end of this weekend, um, it'll be very interesting to see. To I mean, really, they have I two agree more. With you so they, they have two more games. That's it. They have two more games it's before they give the Heisman. It's mind-boggling to me that they pick it before. Yeah. It's, they, I they have to relook at it. That. They have to relook at it. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it, 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 you're right. It, it, let's wait till the season's over. Let let the games end and the playoff run. Because and, and, that's, that's look at the whole body of work. Deshaun you know, Watson would be should have been the Heisman Trophy winner a year ago for his heroic play in the national championship game against a great Alabama team. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I mean, he did it all. I agree. And 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 really, the, bu- the best players do it when the lights are on. That's right. If you can't if you can't muster up one of your best games against one of the best opponents at the end of the year, then you shouldn't be the Heisman. So to take the Heisman without judging that play is just irrational to me. We got to call the Downtown Athletic Club in New York and uh, tell them that they need to uh, make a change here. The this, Less uh, Is More podcast it. crew has said and needs to make it a a um, a national issue. This needs to be a national issue. John, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you lead the 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 uh, legal push. In fact, I want you to go down there, take a couple lawyers with you, and go right to that athletic club and say, "Hey, listen, we've given it thought." Here's here's our um, here's our our rationale, and we expect it to be heard in the public eye. This needs to be a transparent um, trophy bestowing, and this would work. This would work. You know, I think we could cut that deal in the steam room down there, Les. <laughs> Taking a steam, I think we can broker that deal. And uh, and uh, for next year, I think we may be able to have it uh, the way it should be. Just think, Smack, you'd be a part of a podcast that changed college football history. Let's make some predictions for this weekend. Ohio State goes to Michigan. 
Les, you want to jump in? <laughs> I will go first. That was a pretty telling moment there, guys. <laughs> That's correct. Don't read it. Don't read in anything. That's correct. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I got to tell you something. Um, they're playing at the big house. I, I I don't think that they're coming off the kind of experience that they need to have, have had against Wisconsin to beat Ohio State. That's it. I think they got the talent. I think they I think they got the tradition and the history behind them. I think playing in the big house are all their advantages. They have not had the experience of playing really well in a big game this year. So I'm 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 with Ohio State and I hate to be. You know, I'm not gonna bet against Michigan. I can't. You know, and, and this is a heartfelt pick. Um, everything points to Ohio State, the momentum, what they're playing for. Uh, you could probably argue talent-wise. Uh, but I'm going to go with Michigan to upset them uh, in the big house and that these seniors are going to leave with a victory over Ohio State. Now, a lot of people call me crazy on this one, but I am going to go with that, uh, with that prediction. Uh, even though it may taint my overall winning percentage, uh, I am going to go with that one uh, on this uh, on this uh, show. John, I'm, I'm with, with you, and I'm glad you did. And as a Michigan graduate and as a Michigan man, there's nothing that w- both of us will watch that game on Saturday and scream like hell when the the winged helmets find a way to yep. break through. I promise you. There's something about a team when it's backed into a corner, which Michigan appears to be, uh, especially in this they rivalry. They were last weekend, though. Yeah, you're right, but uh, this is different. This is Ohio State. And so I, agree. Uh, I just think, you know, Jimmy's going to have them ready. Uh, they're going to they're gonna play better than they're supposed to play, and um, they're going to they're gonna end up victorious if they uh, – they muster everything that they have and the emotion. I think the seniors are going to want to go out in, in this way, uh, and, and they're going to they're gonna find a way. It's going to be a, a dog-eat-dog, scratch-them-close-to-the-vest game, and I, I, think, uh, I think we're going to get them in the end. I'm picking Ohio State, not because I have any emo- – not – not because I have any true emotions in the game, but I have Michigan has given me nothing to make me believe that they're going to do it. I just and want you to know one thing, Smack. It's the best predictor of future. One, one more thing. I'm just going to – got to say this, that Michigan was the credential that, that launched my career. Everything that I did was by way of Bo Beckler, Bill McCartney, and the University of Michigan, period. So I just want us all to understand – that we love Michigan, and my eldest daughter also does as well, but is making a I do. a journalistic a journalistic um, um, academic almost academic pick here. Am I correct? Absolutely. I'm just using the numbers. Beautiful. I like to be right. <laughs> well, we hey, okay. since Les and I are way ahead in the predictions over the course of the year. I, you know, I can I can bet with my heart, okay? Less than I feel the same way that Michigan made us. Mm-hmm. 
five of my six kids are going to end up graduating from that great university, and I'm going to be out there. That is as strong of a stat as there is. And I'm going to be out there on senior day before Smackers, before the game, I'm going to be out there on senior day with two of my sons on the field with tears coming down my my eyes. So I'm not betting against them. I am not betting against those boys. Oh, oh I'm telling that's you something, John. That is a, and that's great for you and your family. And you're proud of it being a credential of your life, and it will make their lives as fruitful as yours has been. No question. But uh, let's move on will. to Clemson at South Carolina. <laughs> hey, no. Why are you laughing? I, I was really just going this to enjoy like... the feeling, and we just moved right on to Clemson and South Carolina so fast. I just, you know, I just wasn't ready for it. Uh, John, I am going to be I'm going to be crying with you because I'm I'm going to be sad as I can be to see those boys get old and graduate and that's the truth you know ultimately yeah. like my eldest daughter my eldest daughter is special and I uh, I love her greatly and she's a tremendous swimmer and when she swam her last one and she graduated as pretty as she is I just broke my heart so. <laughs> Let's move on to Clemson at South now, Carolina. Now again. you can move on. Hey, what a segue. What a transition. Oh, man. Was, I'm, hey, I'm tearing up right moment. now. <laughs> I'm tearing up right now thinking about Smack coming out of the water in her Speedo for the last time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys are just having so much less passion about Clemson at South Carolina than you are about that Michigan game. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm going Gamecocks. Oh, I'm going Gamecocks. I'd be at, at, South Car- at South Carolina. The only chance the only chance the Gamecocks have is playing at home. But I want you to know something. I am going with Dabo Sweeney, and I'm going with Clemson because Clemson realizes they can be in the playoffs. All they got to go down. They all they got to do, and it is really South Carolina is a great place to play. If you're, I mean, if, if you're a South Carolina um, uh, Gamecock, you love being at home. But I think I think Clemson's too good, too experienced to to finish second in that game. I'm I'm for Clemson. I I'm all Clemson for sure. Clemson's had great recruiting cl- classes recently, a lot better than South Carolina. So once again, a numbers pick for me is Clemson. So let's talk about a very familiar Thanksgiving game: LSU and A and M. Well, I got I'm I'm buying LSU tickets. I, I think that they're playing better. I think that they started the season off without great effort and energy and did not tackle and did not block. Just just played terribly the first three weeks. But since that time, they've played with great aggression. They've been physical. They look like the team that uh, that they can, are capable of being. And I, I think they beat Texas A&M now. Texas A&M also played and played extremely well against Alabama. So A&M has the style of talent that can give an LSU all the hell that they that they want. But LSU is going to win. It's going to be a close one. And Texas A&M has the style of talent that is that's enough, enough to, to play for championships. I'm going to pick uh, your Tigers as well. Uh, I think they are rounding into shape. They're starting to get it together, hit on all cylinders. I think uh, Thanksgiving, there's been a tradition down there of uh, winning on Thanksgiving and getting to taste Kathy Miles' pumpkin pie. 
So I believe that's going to that's going to happen again, and uh, there'll be a victory formation, and uh, the LSU Tigers will prevail. Mm-hmm. LSU LSU is the only answer. Um, LSU is very fortunate to be playing very down Tennessee and A and M teams to end the year. I don't see A and M putting up as much up as much of a fight as Dad does. I just I don't see it, and I think that LSU is playing the way they should have played the whole year, um, and I think it's pretty simple. But an exciting one this weekend that I am pretty pumped to watch, this is the one I'll be tuned into, is Alabama at Auburn. Mm, mm, mm. Go Tigers. John, go, oh, you, you going with Auburn? I'm going with Auburn. I, I went, I've been on Auburn's uh, train all year. Uh, once they after they stumbled, I jumped back on it, and uh, I believe that they're going to uh, they're going to prevail in this one in a tight one. Alabama, you know, obviously they're battling injuries with their linebackers, and uh, you know they're playing they're playing well. They're getting better each week. While Alabama, it looks like they're kind of hanging on a little bit till they get healthy. So I think that Auburn is going to get them uh, at Auburn this week. Now, whether that knocks them out or not, of, of a, depending on how the game goes, of, of being in that Final Four, I, I still think Alabama's going to end up getting in that Final Four. But I think Auburn's going to get them this week. Uh, I agree with you, and here's, here's how it's going to go. The injuries that, that Alabama has changes their defensive front, how they play and how they fit, and those linebackers having the comfort of when they go like hell to the line of scrimmage and when they're in a flow med, a flow method. And uh, I, uh, I, I think that that's going to affect them. And they're playing at Jordan-Hare. And every time I've ever played at Jordan-Hare, that team played their, their – they played lights out. They played extremely well. The, the catches were made, the throws were made, the running was made, blocking was... Every time that I played there, it was a fist fight. Now, I've won some games there, certainly have lost a game or two. and uh, But uh, that is a special place. I am picking Auburn over Alabama as well, based on injury and the place that they play. So, By the way, one more point. Just think about this. If Auburn beats Alabama, the number one team sits to the side and Auburn goes to the, the, the conference playoffs. Auburn has beaten um, Georgia before. The last eight times over two decades that a team that faced in the regular season then faced them again, a repeat game in the um, – what was in the bowl season, 100% of the eight times the team that lost the first game won the second game. So in other words, if Auburn lines up against Georgia, it would stand to reason then that Georgia would have his ears pinned back and that everybody from Auburn would feel like, ah, we're going to beat these guys. We got these guys dead. It's just the way it's going to go. And this this uh, Georgia team, if the statistic holds true, comes back and beats their tail. Now, what happens to Alabama? Do Does Georgia and Auburn knock each other out? Because one team lost to, to Auburn and then 
one, one, and and then one team um, lost to Georgia and then won. So I mean, it's a it's a real interesting um, um, dynamic to see who of the three ends up in the college playoffs. The only chance, in my opinion, that Georgia has is they got to win the conference championship, and then what does that do to Alabama? All that's the another podcast piece of information. There are no theoreticals here. It is all about Alabama and the roll tide roll this weekend. There are no theoreticals that matter. This is not a democracy. This is a dictatorship, and Alabama is it. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know you were No, I really tide. think that. I, I really think that Alabama can watch the second half. Once again, I've said this before, Alabama can watch the second half and know how to affect uh, the Auburn quarterback, Jared Sidham, the same way that LSU did. And I think that Alabama D-line is the real deal. And it's, I think they can come to play. And I think that Nick Saban, like I said before as well, has always dropped one. But I think he understands the theoreticals that Dad just mentioned, and he'll have his team ready to go. We'll see. He's a great coach, and uh, it's going to be a it's a tremendous uh, rivalry game, and uh, I think it'll be uh, it'll be everything people are looking for. John, my great friend in life, I uh, I love you. You're uh, uh, the best man in my wedding, and uh, well, how much fun this is to do a podcast uh, every week and get together. And, and argue about football and uh, discuss football. And, uh, and Smacker Miles, I love you, babe. You're the best, the queen of the Less is More too. podcast. And uh, <laughs> the, uh, my eldest daughter, and uh, ambitious and, and independent and all these things that you got from your mother because, damn it, if I wouldn't have had you just a lot closer to home so I could <laughs> throw my arm around you and kiss you on the cheek every day so uh and to uh to adam and dan and carl you know guys that make this this podcast work happy thanksgiving men you're a gem and uh i i just tell you i feel as fortunate as i can be to be in the company of this crew this uh less is more podcast has surely been as much fun for me to do as anybody uh, please uh, check us out on iTunes. Uh, leave a voice message and a question, and uh, we'll, we'll get that hotline cranking, and then uh, your your uh, question will end up on the air. 833-LESS-MORE. Perfectly done. Hey, look forward to next week. Come be with us, and have a great day. Theplayerstribute.com.